Good morning. It is good to be with you this morning. Man, what a time of worship. Amen? It's good for my heart. It's always good for my heart to be with you and to sing unto the Lord and to look into His Word. And so if you would open your Bibles together, let's turn to the book of Ruth. And we're going to be looking at chapter 2 today. Uh, last week, I think that some of us have heard from some of you, uh, so I'll say us and not just me, that we were engaged with the story, that we saw God working in His providential hand through difficulty and suffering, and it was encouraging. And I hope today that it will be just as encouraging. You know, we oftentimes go through difficulties, suffering, whether it be hurt or loss or struggle in relationships or adversity, uh, even go through things that we feel like are not our fault, things that should not happen to us. But when we go through those things, it's important, and the book of Ruth helps us to keep this in place, it's important for us to understand that if we are in Christ, if we are His, and if we take refuge under His wings as His, like Ruth did as she left to go from Moab with Naomi and said that your God will be my God, her confession of Yahweh. If we are like that in our difficulties and struggles, we can always, always, always count on the sure and present hope of God with us and Him carrying us through. It doesn't mean we will not suffer. You know, there's a fake, false gospel out there that's being preached, whether it be in small ways throughout messages across the world right now or throughout their times of gathering or whether it be in great ways in what we call the prosperity gospel. There's a gospel being preached out there that is not the real gospel. It's a gospel where we are encouraged to put our hope in the fact that God loves us and will give us what we want, and that if we love Him and have faith enough that we will not endure suffering, and that is just not true. And we know that's not true because we love and follow and adore and submit to a king who went through suffering on our behalf. And the scriptures say that we will need to pick up our cross and follow him. That suffering is sure to come. It is not something we avoid. It is not something we have to look forward to. But we can rest assured that if we're like Christ, we will endure suffering. The difference is we endure it with the sure hope of the Lord in us, working through us, and coming one day to get us and take us home. This week I had the honor of residing, presiding over a funeral for my aunt. And uh, I was specifically tasked by her before she got to her last days, about probably eight weeks ago, seven, eight weeks ago, to be the one to bring the gospel hard. That's kind of the language she used. Because we know that in those moments of struggle, of difficulty, of heartache, that we are more open oftentimes, that God is preparing our hearts for where we need to be. And I do not believe that that is any different for any believer in any stretch, whether it be collectively as the church, then we go through hard times, or when we go through difficulty as individuals and suffering and struggles that God is preparing for us, at least in part, it's not the only reason, but at least in part, it's for Him to prepare us for what He's going to do in us so that He can shape us more into the image of Christ and therefore make sure that He gets all the glory and that we receive all the joy in Him, which will be fully realized when we go to be with Him. But in these moments, it's often hard to see. I don't know about you, but when I go through struggles and hardship, I don't just see God's hand working in and through it. 
or even after, in the aftermath. I don't always see the hand of God, right? We, we often don't see that. And here in this story of Ruth, we get the same thing going on here, but there's faith in God. There's talk about God from the people in the story, the people that lived thousands of years ago that were hoping in their God. An old hoper, Naomi, and a new hoper in Ruth. But they do not see God working providentially. But we get the benefit of having this, the Word of God. And as God speaks this story to us through the ones He chooses to write these things down, He gives us insights. I much liken it to something, and I want you to take a second. Before we get into this, I want you to think about this. When you read the Scriptures, it's often easy for us to get into a place where we think, man, if I could just have been there and seen God do this, it would have been better. You know, that if I go back and I could see where Moses parted the waters when God said to do that, and they went through on dry land, and then he brought the waters back over Pharaoh and his army and wiped them all out and gave freedom to the Israelites. If I could just seen that, my faith would be stronger. But brothers and sisters, we have something they didn't have. If we went back and pulled up, you know, handheld cam footage or iPhone footage of people walking through there, they wouldn't have seen all the same things that we see because we have the narrator, God himself, telling us the story. And so today, when you notice things in the Word that jump out, repetitions and, and things that seem to be things you should have already known, see that as God saying, hey, listen up to these parts. And there's a lot of that in Ruth. And so let's look at it together, chapter 2. If you've not been with us yet, go back and listen to last week's, read the first chapter a bunch, read the whole thing every day, it's only a couple of pages. We're going to pick up today in Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. So look there with me. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to pray for God's mercy and grace upon us. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now, it's important they say that, by the way. It sets the stage. We know what's coming. Boaz is coming, a clansman of this family. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. And by the way, this is something talked about in the law in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Uh, Israelites were told if they were uh, planting a field that when it came time for harvest, they were to leave the edges for those who were in a bad place, who were poor, who were struggling, so that they could come around and get some. And also, if stuff fell to the ground, don't pick up every little bit because you're to leave that for those that are hurting or struggling. And so this would be the norm. And so Ruth wouldn't know that, though. She would have learned that as she learned about God's law from Naomi, most likely. And so she hears that at some point, and she says, let me go and do this. And, of course, Naomi said, go, my daughter. So in verse 3, she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come. I love that phrase, happened to come. That's what it feels like to us in life, doesn't it? She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. There he goes saying it again, right? Note the family he's in. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. One that's, remember, just these little bee things are so fun to see in here. Bethlehem, the city of bread, where Naomi had left un, with her husband and sons and gone into Moab because it was without bread in the time of the judges where judgment was coming from God and the people were away from God. And they left and went away from God to Moab to find food. And then after she lost her husband and her two boys and she had two daughter-in-laws and one of them turned back when she beckoned them to do so, but the other Ruth said, I won't do it. I will die where you die, I'll be buried where you're buried, and your God will be my God, and I will go to your land and be of your people. 
right? And she promises that, and she goes, and they come back. Why? Because, well, on the man's side of things, because she had heard, Naomi had heard, that bread was back in the city of bread. And they had provided. They landed right at the time of harvest, and they got there, right? And so now Boaz comes from the city of Bethlehem out to his field, the city of bread, where he's getting the stuff that makes bread, and this is where he arrives on the scene. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And by the way, that word Moab would have stuck in the ear like a thorn or a stick. It would have been a nasty word to say, enemies of Israel. In fact, if you want to read a really fun story, a little aside, go back to Judges and read the story of Ehud, who took down the Moabite king. I think it's chapter 4 of Judges. It's a really great story. You'll see how much they love the Moabites. And the servant who was in charge of the reaper said, she's a Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And this is way above what's normally done for people. Verse 10, then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Listen to this prayer as it echoes the prayer of Naomi last week in chapter one. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant. There's that word kindly. It's actually the word chesed we talked about last week, where it's talking about God's love and mercy and grace and favor, his, his overwhelming grace and favor to us. And here she uses that word him. I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken, has said kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, he continues in his grace and in his good mercy, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. That's about 30 pounds, give or take. It's a lot. It's enough for over a week, probably for both her and Naomi. She also brought out, oh sorry, in verse 18, and she took it up and went into the city 
And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord. Here it is again, whose chesed or kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. She's probably referring to herself as much as to her lost husband and sons because she's depressed. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And we've got to stop there for a second. This is the word goel. It's a word we're going to see much more of next week. And it is the idea of a kinsman redeemer that when someone like Naomi had lost her husband, or Ruth, had been married into the family, become an Israelite herself in this process here. When they lost their husband, that this person would help to redeem the land they owned, to give it to them for an inheritance for their children, or even, as we see later in the story, to marry one of these women in order to provide an heir for them, or at least to give them an heir. See, the same thing back with Judah and Tamar. When Judah wouldn't do what he was supposed to do by giving his son to Tamar, so Tamar found a way to get a baby, and carry on the lineage who ended up in the line of Jesus. And we see here, as we know, spoiler alert again, that this is the line that leads on from that unto Jesus through David. He's one of our redeemers, one of the potential ones who could do that for her. Again, which echoes the prayer, right, of Naomi when they were coming in chapter 1 for us, coming back from Moab, and she prayed for this to be the case, that maybe she would find a husband. She prayed the Lord would bless her for her great chesed. Verse 21, and Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. Because she's a woman alone and a Moabite. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. And let us take a moment, it's a lot here, let us take a moment and pray and ask the Lord to prepare our hearts for further learning. Father, we need your grace and your mercy and your goodness, your chesed upon us. Shine your grace upon us in the face of Jesus this morning that we would understand your word by the power in the working of your Holy Spirit and that we would respond accordingly by repenting of sin and turning to you and finding our hope and joy in your Son, and that in that, Lord, you would be glorified. Lead us, Father, to a place this morning that helps us to become more like Jesus in a way that we would love you, honor you, praise you, trust you in the midst of our hard times. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when you look at a lot of this Old Testament stuff, it's oftentimes that you find that there are patterns in the Hebrew that kind of show what the point is. And oftentimes that will be in a chiastic structure where they kind of use the same words, they go through the alphabet, and when it gets to the middle, they, they bank back out and repeat similar things. And oftentimes you'll notice that right in the middle of a kind of an area of Scripture in the midst of a story will be the main point of everything. And I think that's the case here. We see that in, in chapter 2 here, verses 10 through 12, especially verse 12. I want you to read it with me before we go any further 
And then we're going to back into that in a few minutes. Look at it with me. It's right in the middle of Boaz's statement, verse 12. He says this as a prayer. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel. And here I believe is the underarching reason that this is going to happen and why he's praying for this. He says, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. It's easy to read this story and think that Ruth is being rewarded primarily because she does good things. Because she's living out this said by being overly kind and generous and merciful to her mother-in-law, by following her to take care of her. And that is true. She is doing those things. It's easy to think that this happens because of Boaz, that he's going to be in the lineage of Jesus, simply because he shows that same strong, merciful kindness towards Ruth and Naomi, and even to his own people. But the real reason, that would make it works-based, right? The real reason here is because it's always, always, always grace-based in why we receive what we receive from the Lord. And we do need to work hard. We're going to look at that. We need to strive hard to live out this steadfast love and mercy that we see God showing towards us. But ultimately and always, it's not because we can earn it in God's good favor by how we live. That's always the result of what we've received from God, living out that kind of life. What we receive from God happens because of His steadfast love and mercy towards us. And so my encouragement today is for you to take refuge under the wings of our Lord. Take refuge under the wings of our Lord and trust in Him, just like Ruth, just like Boaz. Let's drop back into the story a little bit. Let's talk about the character of these people. It's a good character. Let's look at Boaz for just a minute first, the character of Boaz. Look at verse 1 and verse 4. He's a man of God. Listen to it, verse 1 of chapter 2. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man. It's almost hard to interpret that because it's almost like it says warrior in the original. He's a warrior for God, a worthy man of the Lord. A wealthy could also be interpreted, but most likely is not the case, even though we do see he's wealthy. It's intentional, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Look at verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. He doesn't just say shalom in the same idea of peace to you, which intends that God would give you peace that we should live in that peace. But he actually goes a step further and says, the Lord be with you. That's the peace he wants them to hear. To his people, to his servants, to those who are in his employ, the Lord be with you. And listen to how they respond. They don't grumble. They don't, they don't look at him with disdain. They respond answering, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. This is a man of God who does not just walk in the legal demands of the law by giving things to those who are in need around him, leaving a little bit left over. He's a man who gives abundantly and shows love and steadfast mercy and kindness to all those around him. It's not surprising then he would do so for Ruth. He seems to walk in grace and not just in the legal demands of the law. Look at verses 8 and 9. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. He's going above and beyond. 
right? Go on down to verses 14 to 16. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, listen to this, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. He gave over and above. He gave graciously, kindly, showing this steadfast love and mercy upon Ruth, even upon Naomi, because he knows the story of Naomi. And also we know the big thing coming is that he is one of Naomi's and Ruth's kinsmen redeemers. That verse 1 telling us he's of the same clan, he's related, and he's a worthy man. And look down at verse 20 even there. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, this man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. A little foreshadowing, a little bit of hope. You can almost hear in the mother-in-law who's become the mother of Ruth, right? Mother in love is kind of how it's transitioned now, not in law, but in love. And this mother in love of Ruth, you wonder if she can just see what's coming in Boaz, her hopes for her daughter that she thought would never happen, that she couldn't even see far enough into the field. In fact, she, she came to Moab full, right? She said, and I left and came back to Bethlehem empty. It's so crazy now that we see them empty in, in, there in Bethlehem, the city of bread, and now Ruth goes out in her great chesed for Naomi, and she goes out empty and comes back over full, more than she can carry almost, 30 pounds of food plus the extra, and she now has this new person in her life who wants to take care of her and who is showing that same steadfast love and mercy to her. God's providing through this kinsman redeemer already, and we're seeing the great hope that is to come. And then we see the character of Ruth. Look at this with me. She exhibits this chesed of God toward her mother-in-law. We said it already. Look at it. Let's see it with our own eyes. Chapter 2, verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. So she's asking, let me go go help. She's not sitting there waiting. She's not crying. She's not trying to figure out what's going to happen next. She's proactive in trying to love her mother-in-law and take care of them. You see the same thing in verse 11. Says Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother in law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. That's because they live in a place like we do where people talk. Amen. They've heard it all. They've heard the bad too. She's a Moab woman. She lost her husband, probably because they're sinners. That's what the talk would be. They messed up a lot of stuff by going where they shouldn't have gone. And that's what happens to you when you do bad things. That's the lesson learns, kids, right? The lesson we should learn. There's also the story of what she's done in coming back. And Boaz hears it all, right? And he sees her and says, I have heard it, all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother, your native land, and came to a people you did not know before. Man, she walks in that same grace. It echoes even Abraham, doesn't it? Pick up your stuff, take your family, and go to a place where I will show you. I will lead you. And she works hard with great humility. Look at this. She's a hard-working Proverbs 31 kind of woman. Right? 
I don't know where we got it in our head that women are supposed to, some people have it in their head, not everybody, women are supposed to not be hardworking and they can't do anything big or bring in income for the family. You read scriptures, you don't see that anywhere. You see hardworking women, just like the women I know in this faith family, just like my wife, we work hard to provide, work hard to take care of, work hard to emotionally take care of, physically take care of, financially take care of their families as well as the men. In fact, you see more so in the scriptures with the guys that are the important ones are all hanging around the gate not doing any work, you know. <laughs> not Ruth, not Boaz either, by the way, men. Not Boaz either. He's hard at work, doing what needs to be done. Ruth, we see in chapter 2, verse 5, So Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant said, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. She's going out and asking. She's not just coming in and trying to sneak in. She's doing the right thing and asking, and she's getting repaid for that. Verse 13, we see something similar. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes. Listen to what she says. My Lord, she calls Boaz, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly. There's that said, spoken kindly to your servant. Even though she's not his servant. She calls herself a servant. Man, how that speaks in the face to our culture where everybody feels like we're all owed everything. This is the attitude of one who's like Jesus. This is the attitude we should have. That's hard for us. We grew up in a land that says we all deserve it and we all should go get it. I know, I love this place. And we have people that we celebrate right now in this land We have celebrated this week who have served, and some of you in this place, and you've served like this, humbly. You've served faithfully, trying to help your countrymen, and knowing you, those are believers in this room that have served, you've done so because you love the Lord, and you think it was the right thing to do, and it is, to serve your brothers and sisters, your family, your countrymen, and I just want to say thank you to those who have done that. In fact, I... This is a place where we worship the Lord, and He is the utmost, we receive all that glory, but it's okay to stop and say thank you to those who have served. And I want to do that right now, and I want to ask, if you've served in any of our forces at all, reserves, would you please just stand up so we can say thank you to you? Stand up where you are. And I want to stop in the midst of this. As you stay standing, hang on, before you do that, I want us to pray over you. If you can stay standing for a moment. If you can't, I get that. Everybody look around and see them. And let's say thank you right now. If y'all, if y'all can, stay standing a moment. We're going to pray over you. If everybody's around, if you'll just kind of lay hands on them, close to them. If you see them, there's some behind you over here. You may not have seen it sitting down again. That's Pete over there. He's hiding. Okay. Somebody get over close to somebody that you see that's standing up and put your hands on them. We're going to pray over them somebody, okay? Take a moment right now and pray. This is what we do as a church. We're not doing a show. We're not doing a program. We're loving our people the way Christ has loved us. So let's do that now and pray for them. Father, we thank you for these men and women who have served. We thank you, Lord, that you have gifted them to our faith family. And Lord, we know that because of their service, sometimes they carry scars and hurts No, Lord, you are good and gracious and show your steadfast love so much to us. We ask now that you would heal those scars. 
you would give them relief from it. And Lord, that you would fill their hearts with our appreciation for them. And that when they have struggles or doubts or pains, that they would remember they do not walk alone. You are always with them, and we are here with them as their faith family. Lord, thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for their service. And thank you most of all, Lord, that they love you and they are serving you even now and will do so until you come to take us home. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, this is the kind of steadfast love and faithfulness that we see in Ruth. Okay, She is not even acting like a soldier here, but she's showing the same kind of love that we want to see in our soldiers. She is steadfast and faithful and kind and committed and giving of her life, and she's loving beyond self, and she's sacrificing, and she's going out, and she's striving, and she's working hard with discipline, and she's serving in these major ways. So here's the thought, right? Why are they suffering? Does that not strike you? So why are they suffering? If this is the kind of folks that they are, why have they gone through what they've gone through? Do you feel like that ever? Why are you going through? Why have you gone through? Why are you still going through the things you're enduring? Why did my aunt, who has loved and served the Lord for years in ministry even, who's been in a cornerstone of her family, have to suffer through cancer in the last? Why? We ask those questions because our hearts hurt and ache for them. And it's okay, I think, to struggle with that and to say, why are they suffering through this? But what we don't always see is what we see here now in the story, which is true, that those who have been bought in the blood of Jesus never, ever suffer for no reason. God will use that suffering to draw us to the place we need to be. Apart from the suffering they endured in Moab, Ruth and Naomi would not be now back in Bethlehem in a place where Ruth could meet Boaz, who together will father Obed, who will together down the line give us David, who eventually will be the way through which we bring Jesus into the world. Praise the Lord. And I guarantee you that Ruth and Naomi and all, all of their family are rejoicing now because of how they've been used for the glory of God, even through suffering. And what they would now call that light momentary affliction, which was a decade at least, if not longer, of their suffering, is now being used for God's glory and their joy. And they worship him for it. Hard for us to imagine now because we don't see it that way. And it's really hard. I'm not expecting you to leave here worshiping and rejoicing in our suffering, but we always have hope. We know that God hasn't left us alone. So why is God's providential favor extended to Ruth? Here's why. We're going to get into this now. Bring it down to this last bit. It appears for all those in the midst of this story that things are happening by happenstance, but we know better. Amen? Like in verse 3, look at it again in chapter 2. And so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. This author knows it's not just by happenstance. That's on purpose. Right? And even here, look in verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. That's not just by mistake. It's on purpose. Hey, look, there he comes. Like, surprise. No, no, no. That's on purpose. It would appear to most that God shows his faithfulness and his love and his mercy to Ruth because of her faithfulness and love to him and to Naomi, but it's simply because Ruth has taken refuge under the wings of God, right? That's why. That would, none of this would ever happen apart from her coming to faith in this way. 
Listen to what Jesus says in something similar in Matthew 23, 37. Listen to these words. He's talking to the Pharisees who will not do what Ruth has done by coming and taking refuge under the wings of the Father. Listen. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Church, beloved, let it not be us who are not willing to gather under the wings of the Lord. And when you gather under the wings of the Lord, it breaks our hearts to know what He did to redeem us. It breaks us down to recognize we have nothing to be prideful of in our own lives. Nothing. But we have a lot to be proud of in the Lord. We have nothing to talk about how great we are. And that means that those who hurt us, those who bring us into suffering, those who allow it, those who don't do right by us in our mind, it's okay because we're under the wings of the Lord. And that's enough for us. It's okay when we suffer because we know we're under the comfort of the King, our Father. And that can be enough for us. He brings hope. God's favor is not granted because of our works, but because of His grace. Galatians 5, listen to this. As Paul is talking to the Galatians about their struggles with the law and people trying to get them to hope more in the law, he says, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Through the Spirit, again, by faith, right? Not by the law. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, which is the law, nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And that's what we see Naomi receiving from Ruth. That's what we see Boaz giving to Ruth. This kind of steadfast love and mercy. Our day-to-day decisions and actions might seem to occur by happenstance, but God's gracious hand of providence is always at work guiding and directing our lives. You need to hear that. We need to believe that and live in that truth. It doesn't mean we look for signs in everything we see, but we trust the Lord. We trust the Lord no matter our circumstances, even when it's hard. And that's why we need one another, because it gets hard. And we lean on each other in those times. God gives us one another partly for that reason. And he never leaves us to ourselves, but gives us refuge and carries us through this life for his glory and for our good, always. The God of the Bible is a God we can trust no matter the difficulty, no matter the times of unknowing. So Ruth here meets her future kinsman redeemer by happenstance, right, by the hand of God, meets Boaz, but we all have this, brothers and sisters, an even greater kinsman redeemer who is Jesus Christ our Lord, who just by happenstance came through this line of all these by happenstance things happenings. And let me tell you, nothing in your life is by happenstance. God is providentially, sovereignly overseeing it, even the things that we suffer through. And His hand is upon us because He is our God. And we may put our steps in front of each other, we think we may pick out our way, but God is the one that actually carries us on and leads us where we're going. And he will never leave nor forsake us, even when the world is falling apart. Does it feel like the world's falling apart sometimes? This world we live in, our country, right now it feels like you watch the news, everything's going to kaput. On purpose, I use the Russian, right? It, it feels like it, doesn't it? And, and doesn't it oftentimes in our own lives feel like that? That we're spiraling down and people think we're okay because on Facebook it looks great. On Instagram we're perfect. In the grocery store we're fine. 
even in our small groups, we're okay. Instead of being real. We live in a time where the world seems to be spiraling out of control, but so did Ruth. So did Boaz. Boaz is showing the steadfast loving kindness in the midst of the time of the judges where everything literally is spiraling out of control. And God keeps trying to redeem, and they keep running away and fighting against him. This is the time they lived in. And even though they endured tremendous hardship and suffering and loss, God was preparing Ruth and Naomi for this great chesed by providing this kinsman redeemer who's to come named Boaz, giving them hope and future. And God can do the exact same for you, for me, no matter how great our suffering and loss There's always hope because we've been secured by our kinsman redeemer, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord, who became one of us, just like us, so that he could endure the suffering we deserve that's greater than all that we could imagine in this life, so that we could be brought into the family of God, where he alone deserves the glory. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If we, as his people, as God's church, will take refuge under the wings of God, we will find that all we have endured will not be for naught. It will be for his good glory and for our betterment to become like Jesus. For our great Redeemer shall redeem all our suffering and use it for our joy and his glory. So let us seek to do good. Chesed to one another and to the world around us, giving them Jesus, which is the greatest good we could do for anyone, living our lives out like Jesus and working hard like Ruth and Boaz to fulfill the mission that God has given us, to seek and to save the lost. You see the gospel working out even here as Boaz is showing the gospel, as Naomi has already given the gospel out to Ruth, and Ruth's been redeemed by the gospel, and we see God working in all their lives, and yet still he can work in us, faith family. Let us be faithful And stay under the wings of the Lord in his great mercy and kindness and love toward us. And let us look forward to his love and mercy being revealed in the end in Christ coming to take us home. For there is our hope. There is our hope. We have nothing we can bring ourselves to this mix except humility as we see what Jesus has done. And love for one another and for those outside this place. Even those who might have hurt us even those who might not have been there for us, even those who might not want us to come to them. But it is our calling to love as Christ has loved us. So let us take refuge to find our hope in the Lord. If you've never, ever done that, today's the day of redemption for you. From ruin to redemption is the byline for this story. It's the byline for this church. It's the byline for every one of you in the pew because we were all in ruin until the Lord saved us, whether we recognized it or not. And if you've not put your hope and faith in Jesus, then today is the day to repent and believe in him. You don't need to do that with anybody else, but we are here for you. And I'll be in here till the last one leaves. But do not wait. Today is the day of redemption. Let us hope and take refuge in him. Father, we need your grace, your mercy, your steadfast love and kindness, your chesed for us. So, Father, will you help us now? Will you help us to trust in you? Will you... Use us for your kingdom. And Lord, would you bring salvation to us? For Lord, we need you. We know that those who have put faith and hope in Jesus already have been redeemed. But yet, Lord, we are still being saved every day, depending upon you to carry us through. For we cannot do it alone. And Lord, I pray if anyone here has not yet put their hope and faith in you, that they would do so today, repenting and believing on Jesus for the first time, and that we would celebrate along with heaven for their glorious soul being brought to life. And we ask all of that 
in Jesus' name, amen.